Blog Talk Radio. glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and thanks for all those Beautiful pictures of sunrise over the beach in Costa Rica that you sent me this morning. Ooh, what a way to wake up. Beautiful, beautiful. Hey, Rebecca, how have you been? I have been good. How about you? Oh, really enjoyed my time in Arizona with my oldest friend, Betsy. She complains when I call her my oldest friend. But we've (laughs) known each other the longest, so that's why Mm -hmm. she's the oldest. Yeah, that's good. You yeah. work on your book. I'm uh, working, working, working on my book. Almost done. So close to being done. Hooray. Hooray. It was really something being in Tucson. 
because it really put me right in the middle of what's going on here in our country, and not just theoretically, but the people whose lives are really impacted, the people who've owned a ranch for 200 years, and a wall would go right to the middle of their ranch. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, the real people and the real impact that this would have on them was, was I didn't seek it out. It wasn't that I was going there to do some investigative reporting, but everyone is so impacted by it, either personally or knows somebody who is, you know, so, it's so clear that it will certainly not do what's intended to do. Unlike herbs, which do what they are intended to do. I went for my usual tooth cleaning today, um, and my dentist started asking me about herbs. And this is a <laughs> prelude to it. She said that she was at a dental conference and that everyone there was complaining because they're trying to keep people's teeth, you know, in their mouths. They're trying to keep their gums healthy. And they are thwarted constantly by the drugs that people are taking, the average person, she said, in the United States now takes 12 drugs a day. Yeah, yeah, not surprising. It seems like everywhere you go, everyone's taking something, yeah, for sure. And Mm -hmm. she says it makes their mouths so unstable. It makes her work as a dentist so difficult. So, you know what we talked about. We talked about nourishing herbal infusions. Mm Mm-hmm. I told her that I started out being interested in, you know, making people healthy by encouraging them to eat well. And I soon learned that that was going to lead to a life of frustration. People aren't going to change what they eat. Mm -hmm. And so I went around in a other way because people will often change what they drink. And so having people drink nourishing herbal infusions and then, of course, my great motto, don't change your diet, let your diet change you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So many people have told me that once they start drinking nourishing herbal infusions, they their way that they eat changes because their taste buds change because what they want changes. They don't crave sugar anymore. Yeah, I think it really affects your, the bacteria, you know, like your microbiome, and so it it changes everything. And yeah. Yeah, my children have beautiful teeth, and I don't have any problems with my teeth or gums, and I am so thankful. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any yeah, health problems. Little, actually. There was one little problem <laughs> spot in my mouth, and I don't let my yeah. dentist take annual x-rays just because. But I sign off on the form, and she, so she said, you know, would you let me take an x-ray of this? Like, I'm not sure what's going on. The tooth might be cracked. Da, da, da. So I said, sure, and we took an x-ray, and she said, you know, I was expecting to see bone loss and this and that. She said, but you've got like this, a strong, healthy bone, like a person 25 years younger than you are. Wow. And I said, that's the well, nourishing you- herbal infusions right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. The dentists apparently were especially talking about the damage that taking antacids um, does to your oral health. And yeah, she said, you know, that the studies on the antacids showed that they actually broke down bone, and that's why they put it out with calcium as part of it. And I said, yeah, but that calcium is only one kind of calcium. She said, right. I said, she said, and and we need a whole bunch of different kinds. I said, bingo. 
I said, I'm glad you know that. She said, there's like a hundred different forms of calcium your body needs. I said, and they're all in nettle. Hmm. So I think my next step is to drop by there with an ounce of nettle and a, a copied sheet about how to make the infusion, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the herb suppliers can keep up with all of the infusion information making its way around these days. <laughs> yeah, they are they are really struggling, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's uh <laughs> but um maybe it'll inspire more people to grow more herbs, so and uh, to harvest yeah. them is part of part of it, yeah. Uh, and and what you, we need is an army of little cutters cutting up the herb. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only part that I like. Oh, golly gee, that's hard. We have got is. a great woman who is going to come and talk with us in an hour and a half or so at 9 o'clock my time. We are going to be talking with Annie Williams, a world-renowned recording artist, composer, and sound Therapist. She's going to be talking to us about song Gaia, sound medicine. She's going to be talking to us about voice spectrum analysis and all kinds of good sound things. So hang in there and you will have an opportunity to hear what Annie Williams has done and is about to do. Thanks yeah, for, and she has. Thanks um, for, if anybody wants to. Go on to YouTube as well. She has an excellent talk that she does on there. Just enter her name into the search and um, just really profound A-N-A-N-I-N. kind of. A-N-I-N-I. Yeah, A-N-I Williams. Um, and I just wanted to also say from last week or a couple weeks ago on our last show, um, I, the, what I mentioned about my mother, I had so many people like reach out to me after that and, you know, with like similar stories and just like, it was just, you know, pretty, it was just beautiful. All of the response that I got. And I just want to say thank you to everyone for reaching out and, um, giving me your heartfelt love and I just really appreciate it. It was really nice to have all the support. So yeah. And I I was very moved that you generously shared what was going on with you with us. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh it was just so in the moment. I didn't it wasn't I didn't intend to do that, but it was like because she was calling and it was just like this whole thing and I was having a hard time, I think, hearing what you were saying in the moment. And I haven't gone back to listen to it because it's just too, too raw. Yeah. Either. But I. Yeah. But you know, uh, it was, it, yeah. And it's just amazing, you know. It's like the Me Too thing, you know. It's like how many of us have that kind of relationship with our parents, and um, yeah, and how many people. It's like, yeah. So we're all in it together, you know. We're all healing together, and. Yeah. Yes, I'm reading. Was, um, I'm reading yet another tale about Camelot, and in this one, which I, I am finding, you know, not totally thrilling. So I'm not even going to mention the name of it, because the emotions ascribed to people are, you know, kind of, kind of yucky. But she's really right on with Avalon and the goddess and the lady of, of the of the lake and all of that. <clears throat> and then Christians are coming to Avalon. They're sending monks to Avalon. At first, they send these two mild-mannered monks who were supposed to um, 
seduce the lady, right? Because they hear that like goddess worship, well, the women just will do it with anybody. And so they're supposed to seduce the high priestess, and of course that fails completely. And so they're replaced with these kind of thuggy monks who demand to, you know, have a meeting with the lady. And when they have that meeting with the lady, they demand to be allowed to join their service. And so well, we, we want to pray with you. We want, you know, you have been doing this so well, but but you don't understand what God's plan for you is, right? And after they leave, you know, one of the priestesses says, what, what is happening? The high priestesses, they want the chalice, right? They want the holy chalice. They want our tools. Mm-hmm. And the priestess says, we, we must kill them. And the author, you know, embroiders this, like her whole image and fantasy and da-da-da. And, uh, you know, the lady says to her, ours is a religion of love. We do not kill even to defend ourselves. Hmm. And as a high priestess, that is my understanding. It is a religion of love. All acts of pleasure and beauty. If we are finding the love, then we are finding the goddess. Hmm. And it can be hard. Mm-hmm. To find the love. Yeah. And yeah. the closer we are to the person, the harder it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, she's. And this is why it's so away. important to really find that love for the people closest up to you because, in fact, what you're really doing is finding that love for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. True. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, in right. fact, I am like so late at getting my holiday cards out this year. I'm actually thinking about just buying Valentines instead. <laughs> I oh, I, I, you know, yeah. between val- gallivanting off to Paris and then Arizona and working on the book, I'm like looking up and going, "Oh, Jesus!" And you haven't sent any cards out this year. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, <laughs> So hang in there, everybody. I still love you. I just haven't gotten around to it. Maybe I'll send out holiday cards. Maybe there'll be Valentine's. Who knows what will happen? Everybody <laughs> is so busy these days. It seems like time is just like speeding <laughs> up. <laughs> well, I know where it's going. Right. I am focusing in on getting these last part, this last part of the book done. The case studies are done. Yes. Yay. And, um, yep. So hardly anything left to do here. Working, just working yesterday on um, screening tests for Chapter Six for you know a deep medicine. And uh, wow, the news on screening tests is even worse than I had imagined. <laughs> One in two hundred colonoscopies results in a serious consequence. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 50 to 61% of women who have a mammogram will get a false positive report. This is staggering statistics. Yeah. Is it not? Right? And these these things are passed off as preventative medicine. 
I know if people can only tune into preventative medicine, like in the wise woman tradition. <laughs> right. Whole, whole new world. Take care of yourself. It's not that hard. Right. Yeah. Drink your nourishing herbal infusions. Yay. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to say we were going to play Ani's um, recording, yeah. but the, the way that the system is set up, I have to play it from the beginning with all of the bells and stuff like that. Um, ah. It won't let me ahead. So I was thinking when you introduce her, I'll I'll press the play button and maybe that can play in the background because it's kind of like backgroundish music if you're up for that. Very or is much that going to be too I love it. That's a great idea. Okay, great. And we have a lot of people on the line. If you have a question for Susan, please press 1 to speak with her. And should we go into the first question, Susan? Let's do it. All right. The first caller is coming from the 718 area code. Hi, Susan. Hello. Have you back. Um, So I was at, I have an eye condition, and I was at the doctor today, and not the greatest news, um, couple things going on. My eye pressure is a little high and my vision is gradually getting less. So it's it's a like a retin a retina issue and a glaucoma issue together. And I'm very sensitive to like the drops that they even give me in the office, like to numb my eyes. I got a tingling in my face from it and like nausea. So I as much as possible, try to avoid um, the that route. And I was hoping that you had some advice for me, what I can do to strengthen my eyes and hopefully slow down the process of degeneration of what's yeah. going on. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's start here. Are you already drinking nourishing herbal infusions? Yes, I am. Wonderful. And... You're drinking between two and four cups a day. Um, drinking like two cups a day. Should I increase it? My goal is always four cups a day. Four cups. Okay. Right. When a, when a woman comes to live with me as an apprentice, she is not allowed to drink anything besides infusion, not even water. Okay. Now I will say that I certainly, you know, like loosened that up for myself. I do make it my goal to drink a quart of infusion a day, but I might also have a cup of green tea. Okay. Or a cup of black tea. My sweetheart makes a really mean cup of Earl Grey with goat milk and wild honey. Mm. Mm. Sounds good. Yeah, and then he laces it with motherwort tincture. Oh, fabulous stuff. But um, you can't drink too much infusion. And the the activity of nourishment in the infusions will definitely slow down the progress of these diseases. The next thing I want to ask you is if you eat cooked, well-cooked leafy greens at least five times a week. Yeah, I'm very into following your... Um like what you say about eating and the cooked and, you know, protein, everything. Like, I I do a good variety. Okay, good. So you are eating a lot of cooked leafy greens. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're being cooked for at least an hour. Yeah. 
And um, when I was in Arizona, I cooked the greens. We went out and we bought, you know, food for ourselves to make. And I bought beets with their greens on it. And I bought kale and I brought collards, you know, and I just went home and cooked up all the greens. She said, why are you cooking all the greens? I said, because once they're cooked, I'll eat them. <laughs> I said, you have these greens. They take up a huge amount of space in your refrigerator. They're just getting rotten in there. You bring them home, you cook them all, and you put them in the refrigerator. They will stay good for six or seven days. Oh, that's great. You've just, you know, you've spent that time lurking around. It's not like you have to be in the kitchen. And I cooked most of those greens for two to two and a half hours. And she was so happy with those greens and just, you know, calling people. You you would not believe how good this kale is after it's cooked for two and a half hours. So, no. so it is. It's it's a revelation for many people when they get that long cooked green, and buy a bunch of greens. And I didn't mix them together. I cooked each one separately, so we had a variety okay. of different greens to go with our different main dishes that we made for ourselves. <clears throat> and of course, also by way of carotenes, which is very important for eyes and eyesight, um, cooked. Bright red and bright orange things like cooked winter squash, cooked sweet potatoes, tomato sauce, those kinds of things. Again, ideally daily, but at least five times a week. I have to increase in that then, but I'm not doing that. And as you may or may not know, the herb that is specific against glaucoma is cannabis. And how do I, like, do that? It's, I don't know if it's most, yet. most people buy the dried herb. In some okay. places it is legal to buy it. In other places it is not legal to buy it. And once they buy the dried herb, they have a device for lighting that herb and inhaling the smoke. It doesn't take very much. One or two inhales is basically... All that's needed, it could be done several times a day, and it dramatically and immediately reduces ocular pressure. Is that? Do you know if it's possible to get that in New York or not yet? A dried herb of cannabis. I, you certainly can't, as you can in Colorado or Washington or California or Oregon, walk into your local store. And say, what would you recommend for someone who wants to bring down her ocular pressure? Mm-hmm. Whether or not your doctor could actually prescribe it, I don't really know. Okay. But I know there is some minor legalization in New York, but it does have to go through a doctor. And I know that many people are saying the doctor is incredibly reluctant. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't mean they won't change their minds, and the way to get people to change their minds is for more and more people to ask, right? Yeah. So if you ask and the doctor says no, um, you could ask another doctor, or you could ask the doctor again, or you could say, "What would it get? What would it take for you to say yes?" Or you know, what whatever it is. The other thing um, that I personally found useful for my eyesight is called the Bates 
method, B-A-T-E-S. And okay. I am I am so nearsighted that in my early 70s, I still can read the phone book with my nose against it. Hmm. So this has been somewhat limiting in my life to be so nearsighted, although it's paying off as I age. Um, so I... I was wedded to my contacts. As a matter of fact, I often said that I would sooner uh, walk down the street of Manhattan naked than without my contacts. They really, being able to see that way defined my life. And as feminism took, took more hold in me, and I began to understand that 2020 is the amount a 20-year-old white man can see at 20 feet that I began to realize that maybe 2020 vision wasn't me. I hear you. Okay. And that's when I discovered the Bates Method. I will not say that the Bates Method improved my eyesight, but I will tell you that the Bates Method totally changed how I see. So much so that when I fell in Costa Rica three years ago, and broke my glasses, and my optometrist said, I can't see you for six weeks. I was able to do everything I needed to do without my glasses because I could fall back on my Bates training. And I just look it up online? Um, I think you could just look it up online. Okay. That would be my guess. B-A-T-E-S. Mm-hmm. Bates. And the Bates method of eyesight improvement. I had to do, you know, some somewhat different things um, because um, many of the tools that, that are used involve looking at um, letters. And one of the main things you learn in the Bates method is that what is really getting your eyes is stress and tension. And I realized as I as I got my eyes more relaxed that the main thing that made my eyes feel tense was looking at letters. So I had to make my own training tools with symbols because I couldn't use the ordinary ones with the letters on them. That's interesting you're saying that because I my eyes automatically strain as soon as I look at letters, so that makes sense to me to maybe try also more pictorial like pictures or symbols. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you can still do the exercises, but where he would use use it with letters, we'll use it with symbols. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And of course, palming comes from Bates, and it's the classic mm-hmm. way to you know really nourish your eyes, which is to rub your palms together very briskly until they get warm, then in a seated position with your feet on the floor to put your elbows on your knees and lean over so that your eyes are in the palms of your hands. Your eyes can be closed. That's called palming, and you just feel like your eyeballs are falling out into your warm palms, and you do it for as long as you can sustain it, and then you very slowly remove your hands, look down, and then gradually look up. Thank you. Um, I don't remember what it, the name that it was that you once called it, but there are certain green vegetables. I don't know if it was what context it was, just you know, as in raw, which I don't eat raw. 
um, not there's some good, or are there certain greens that I, I should avoid? Unfortunately, I don't remember what the word. I can't like. imagine. Okay. Doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, it's, it had something to do. I wish I could remember what you said. It had something to do with, where you mentioned it was like certain greens are like very sharp, like in once it gets into the system. Unless it was, unless it I'm was. I'm sorry, referring... you must be confusing me with somebody else. Okay. So all I I don't have to avoid any greens like spinach is fine kale is fine because I just want to make sure that that's like you know the variety is okay I don't have to um, I worry eat about lamb's quarter amaranth kale collard spinach beet greens Swiss chard bok choy tet soy okay so that's good I don't have to worry about that okay that's helpful good. Thank you. Thanks, Susan. I'm going to look into this method and call you with um, hopefully improvement soon. Sounds good to me. Green blessings. Good day. Thanks. Good night. The next caller is coming from the three or seven three two area code. Hi, Susan. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my 22 year old is moving. I live in New Jersey, we live in New Jersey, and she's getting ready to move into New York City. And I'd like to send her off with a great goodie basket. So could you... At one one point, my daughter returned to me (laughs) half a dozen first aid kits that I had given her over the years. (laughs) She said, this is the first aid kit you gave me when I moved to California, and this is the first aid kit you gave me when I was studying in France. And this is the first aid kit you gave me when I was going to school here. <laughs> she said, "She said here you can have them all back." She said, "I've made all my own remedies now." Uh. <laughs> so here's what I put in a first aid kit. I put tinctures. Okay, so what and I put motherwort tincture in my first aid kit because motherwort tincture is every girl's best friend. Okay. Helps calm us down. Yeah. Helps keep our hearts healthy. Mm-hmm. Helps get rid of period pain. Okay. Yay, motherwort. Hypericum perforatum, which I call St. Joan's wort tincture. Okay. And I use St. Joan's wort tincture for so many different things. It certainly brightens one's mood, but more to the point, it relieves any kind of muscle pain. Okay. It is also probably the world's greatest antiviral. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. So taking a dropper full of Hypericum um, as we need it um, is a good thing to do, but it could also even be taken just on a daily basis, just a dropper full, just to keep any viruses at bay, uh, since she will probably be in a, a environment which has perhaps more viral particles than she experienced at home. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Certainly, I take it when I'm traveling, when I'm getting Mm -hmm. on airplanes and so on. It helps prevent jet lag. Oh, okay. Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And Um, So I have motherwort, and we Mm -hmm. have hypericum, and then yarrow. 
Oh, okay. Echelia millifolium tincture of the flowering top of white-flowered yarrow is an antiseptic, right. a wound healer, an wow. astringent. It stops bleeding. Juliette Berkeley Levy claims that the gypsies, I don't know if she really ever saw this, but she claimed that gypsies put it on somebody whose arm had been torn off by his horse. <laughs> and it stopped the bleeding. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Also, I will tell you, I have seen it stop some pretty bad bleeds. Oh, okay, great. We're not talking severed artery. Mm-hmm. But we're talking, you know, somebody who's like cut in the forehead and you know how those forehead cuts bleed. And yarrow, yarrow on it and wham, it stops in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Or cutting vegetables. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. So yay yeah. to the yarrow, antiseptic, astringent, blood-stopping, wound healing. Right, Madam Yarrow runs a school of self-defense. And she'll be oh, glad how to defend yourself. So those three things right there right. could okay. be enough. Okay. Now, if you want to go further one, one than anti-infectives like echinacea, okay. um, pain relievers like skullcap or cannabis tincture. Oh, okay, skullcap. Right, ointment mm-hmm. if you want, and you know... To include any kind of ointment, and ointment is always nice to have. Ooh, when I was in Arizona, oh, Donna Cheshire gave me her, her white sage ointment. It's so good. I just want to put it on everything. Yeah, nice. Where you know, you put it on your feet. You can put it, you know, down there. You can, oh, it's so good. White sage ointment? Yeah, but any ointment. Okay. Any kind of ointment that you have on hand that you've made, because what's really important is that you're giving her your love. Right. And you're giving her your blessing, and you're giving her your protection. Mm -hmm. And so you're not just going to go out and buy these things. Mm -hmm. You want it, you know, you want it to be something that that you have that's available. Maybe you made some hypericum oil. It doesn't have to be an ointment. It could be oil. Hypericum oil is a great sunscreen. Fabulous for massages. Mm Mm-hmm. So they, to, these, to me, these are kind of like the bare bones of a, a first aid kit. And I take these things with me wherever I go. And then I open my first aid kit and I say, what else might I need? Oh, I'm going to Australia. I don't know if I'll be able to get echinacea tincture. Let me take two ounces of echinacea tincture in case I get sick. And I did, and I used it all. Okay. Oh, I'm going out traveling. I don't have much use for OSHA tincture, but occasionally I do. But I've actually, you know, really been Susie on the spot with the OSHA tincture with people having allergic reactions. So I always carry it with me when I travel. Mm-hmm. OSHA, okay. My mom said you should always put $5 in your first aid kit. Well, we're going to have to update you, Mom. 20 <laughs> Right? Right, that's funny. Twenty and an extra charger cord, huh? Mm. Exactly. Or one, or one of those little battery packs, because we don't want the excuse that oh, my phone was at a charge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One other question. Um, as far as infusions, I've 
I've tried giving her nettles and, you know, I got a bit of a face and um, oat straw. So I was thinking, because I do love, I love linden. Um, I haven't tried it with her yet. And I know you've always said that that's really good for colds and flu. But if I, um, you know, if there's a possibility that she likes this one, would that be fine for her to take every day? Like, will she really get a lot of nutrients from it as she would nettles? No. No, of course not. So, linden is part of the rotation because it's such an excellent anti-inflammatory. I would say that, that linden far better than turmeric. Oh, Okay. But it's not that nourishing. It has polyphenols. It has like the kinds of things that are in tea or coffee. But you wouldn't say, well, she doesn't like the nettle or the oat straw. Could she drink coffee instead? Mm -hmm. Coffee has some good medicinal uses. It definitely, you know, can reduce your risk of Parkinson's. And up to five cups a day can actually have health benefits. But we're not going to think of coffee as a nutrient-rich drink. Mm Mm-hmm. The nettle, the oat straw, the red clover, um, you know, the, the comfrey leaf, these are the nutrient-rich herbs. Okay. And your okay. giving it to her will never work. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she has to find her way okay. in her peer group. Mm-hmm. And one of the most important things we do to make ourselves a member of a peer group is to drink with the other people in our peer group or drinking, whether it is beer or wine or nourishing herbal infusion. And that has to be her choice. I just thought I'd try. <laughs> too late. Okay. okay. Way too late. Oh, okay. Well, I do At want this to point... You. Anything you would really like her to adopt, mm-hmm. you should not introduce her to at all. Okay. Because let's face it, you'll taint it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. She still loves you. Mm-hmm. But remember yourself at that age. Mm-hmm. Right. And how desperately you did not want to be your mother. Exactly. Exactly. I got it. Okay. And it's okay. Yeah, I'll just... She'll wind up being you anyhow. (laughs) All right. It's like you wound up being your mother too, so, you know. Yeah. All right. With improvements. With improvements. Of course. I will send you off with these goodies that you've suggested. Thank you so much. I, you know... Never would have thought of this, and that's why I I knew you would be able to tell me. So thank you. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Okay. Thanks for asking. Good night. Bye. The next caller is coming from the nine zero seven area code. Hello, Susan. Hi. <laughs> I called you about a month ago about me flipping my vehicle. And it was more of an emotional uh, call. 
Well, now I'm dealing with my the physical aspect of that accident, which is um, I have a bruised sternum. Yes, ouch. Uh, yeah, from the oh, as my mother said, it only hurts when I breathe. <laughs> she got a bruise. She got a bruise sternum from a a, a near miss accident. Uh, but you know, she was jerked into her seatbelt, and the seatbelt bruised her right across the sternum. Right. 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 It was, you know, how tight it gets really tight, but I was able to pull it off. I think I told you that. I pulled it off, yeah. and, you know, the pain didn't come immediately. Right. So now I'm dealing with it. It's, just, it's a horrible. Hypericum oil. St. John's Word oil. Red oil. Okay. Relieves, relieves the pain of bruising very fast. If for some reason you don't have access to that, calendula oil can also be used. Yarrow oil is another interesting choice because it has a somewhat numbing effect. There's a plant that grows around here called Philippendula. It's one of the many plants called meadowsweet. It's in the rose family. And an oil of Philippendula flowers or leaves is so anodyne that um, Gretchen Gould, who introduced me to the uses of this plant, said you have to warn people that if they put a lot of the oil on, they can actually injure themselves because they can knock into things and not feel them. Wow, meadowsweet oil? Meadowsweet, philopendula. There are many plants that are called meadowsweet. So you have to make sure philopendula, and it's an S, S S-I-L-I, philopendula. Wow. And Amazing Grease um, used to sell it. Gretchen is, you know, well into her 80s, and she's needing to choose more carefully what she's doing. And music is her first love. Music, singing, writing music. And so she's drawn back a bit from the herbs. So um, you might be able to get it from Amazing Grease. Um, this might be the last time you can get it from Amazing Grace. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, check that okay. one out. Because it's not, it's not like a usual item. Right. Right. It's a there's a big patch of this plant near Gretchen's herb hill, and so she, you know, started experimenting with it and working with it. And because um, it's in the rose family, it grows very, very easily. I've I polluted a few plants and brought them home, and they're plants on my deck in pots, and it's thriving. So it's a pretty easy plant uh, to grow. So if you can't find it, one can always grow it. Of course, that's the long way round, right? You want it to feel better now. You can get the seeds, grow the plant, make the oil. That So next year you'll have your remedy. Oh, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait that long. Can't wait that long, Dad. Hopefully one of the first three, either Hypericum or Calendula or Yarrow, is at hand or can easily be gotten. And I think you will find that that works out. I don't know if you remember. Gosh, I guess it was like a year or so ago, last summer. I don't really remember, but I had a friend who had um, broken out in shingles. A shingles rash, and I suggested that she get some hypericum oil. And her friend uh, went to the store, and they sold her hypericum ointment, which, when she put it on, 
um, seemed to actually aggravate what was, what was going on. And so it's one of the reasons that I save the oil, because the oil just goes on, and there's no binders or beeswax or anything else in it. Okay. And what about, um, like, from mineral... Like my muscles have gotten weak since that accident. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I was going to say was also hypericum tincture internally helps okay. to relieve muscle pain, muscle trauma, and muscle spasm. And if your muscles have gotten weaker, there is only one remedy, and that is? Comfrey. Lift weights. Oh, lift weights. Lift weights, my dear. Get some weights, whether they are cans of beans or actual weights, and put them at the far ends of your house. And when you walk past them, pick them up. Which which muscles in your upper body, muscles in your lower body? You can also, of course, go to a gym where they have both free weights and fixed weights where you can... Move your muscles. Muscles are the part of our body that are most molded by what we do. Use a muscle and it will get bigger. Hey, what do bodybuilders look like? Exactly. That's how they got that way. They use those muscles. Right, so that's what we got to do. This is one of the reasons why it is so incumbent upon us as we age to keep ourselves physical, to move, to move all of the parts of ourselves so that those muscles stay fit because as we age, muscles tend to die off. By by the age of 70, most people have already lost over 25% of their muscle mass. Oh, wow. And this becomes frailty by the time you get into your 80s and 90s. See, I was concerned about my, you know, I have the sternum problem, and if I lift weights, is that going to pull it out of whack, you know? I don't think your sternum is is out of whack. And I'm not suggesting that you go out and lift 100 pounds, am I? No. Okay, I suggested cans of beans, which weigh a pound each. Yeah? Okay, yeah. Hey. (laughs) I got it. Hey, you want to get, like, extravagant? Do two-pound weights. Okay. okay. Right, but we are talking about being kind to yourself. We are not talking about going out. I mean, there are machines at the gym that I won't touch. Like, oh, you expect my body to do that? No, excuse me. If I asked my body to do that, I would not ever get up again. So you have to know. Same thing we say in yoga class, right? When I'm right. in yoga class, I say, I want you to do it. I want you to push yourself and to do as much as you can, but I do not want you to over. Got it. Got it. Right? Push yourself. 
But don't push yourself over the edge. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And did I um, ask, did I ask you if you believe in atoms? Did I believe in atoms? Uh huh. Yeah. I asked you I that did. already. No, but I, do I didn't. But you do. Okay. And do you believe that everything is made of atoms? Uh, yeah, physically, yeah. Like, yeah. You're made of atoms, and the seatbelt's made of atoms, and the car was made of atoms, right. and, and the road right. is all made of atoms, yes? Right. Okay. And do you agree that atoms are made of uh, protons and neutrons and electrons? Yeah. Okay. And so the... Protons and neutrons are in the nucleus of the atom, and the electrons are in a cloud moving around the nucleus. Do you believe that, too? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. In terms of scale, it's very tiny, but if we were to blow it up to, say, a football stadium scale, the nucleus would be a football at the center line, and the electron clouds would... Um, be up at the highest, um, furthest away seats. Okay. So that means that atoms are mostly space, doesn't it? Right, yeah. Okay. So since you believe all that, I'm not asking very much of you for you to believe that the space of the car and the space of the seatbelt and the space of your body did not impact each other, but went through each other. And when your mind throws up this impact, which it will do over and over and over and over and over again, causing your muscles to tense up over and over and over and over again, you are going to replace that with, no, that's not what happened. What happened was that spaciousness went through that other spaciousness. There was no impact at all. Wow. That is... So you're basically saying what I... My belief in the atom... I'm repeating the... I'm tensing myself up instead of having it go through me. It would not cause the intense I can't explain it but I know what you mean yes that's exactly what I mean there is no impact there is no trauma it is atoms moving through the space of other atoms and right now your mind is doing its busy best to tell you you have been impacted and you are going to stand up and say, uh-uh, no, you're wrong about that. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because every time I do that, it get, it, my, that area gets tensed up. Yes. How could it not? It wants to protect you. Oh, God, that's so brilliant. That is just amazing, Susan. 
I I really appreciate that. Me too. I have used it so much <laughs> in my life. It has gotten me through some pretty amazing stuff. Wow. It's like Jennifer Sundstrom said on Vashon Island at the, the uh, Pacific Women's Herbal Conference when it was threatening to rain. She said, excuse me, can we have a moment for science, please? Uh, we would like a little up pressure here. This is down pressure. This rain is down pressure. We need some up pressure. Will women please exert an up pressure? Just raise your hands and move the pressure up. And we did it, and the rain stopped. She said, thank you. That was not magic. That was science. Oh, wow. That's great <laughs> yeah you know it, 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 i i have to change my my the way i think i mean that's that's the, the key to everything you know we're just conditioned a certain way and it keeps us trapped it's a wonderful journey to work ourselves out of the trap yep Thank you, Susan. That was profound. <laughs> Green blessings. Thanks for calling back and call back again. Thank you. Green blessings. <laughs> Good, night. Good night. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 321 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. I... Um, have been having problems with high blood pressure. I um, was on psychiatric drugs for 16 years and cold turkeyed them four years ago. I was on seven different drugs and I stopped taking them suddenly. And that was four years ago. After that, I started having some problems with high blood pressure. Um, before I was ever put on the medication, I tended toward having low blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, I, the withdrawal. I, I have a hobby horse here, and that is that I like to speak with people who are willing to claim their power. And so um, when I hear someone say they were put on medication, I think how marvelous that they have such a caring physician that the physician went to the drugstore, filled the prescription, and comes and gives you a pill every day. And if that doesn't happen, then you weren't put on anything you chose to take. Correct? Yes. All right. I need for you to be in your power, please. You weren't put on thing, drugs. You chose to take these drugs. So I... Um, I've been I'd having, like to hear you say that, please. Yes, I chose to take them. All right, thank you. It makes a difference. And the, the withdrawal threw me into early menopause. And what age were you? Forty. Mm-hmm. And that's early by the medical system standards. Yes. Okay. When we are born, 
actually, by the time we're at five months gestation, we are making 29 kinds of estrogen. We're born making those 29 kinds of estrogen, and we die making those 29 kinds of estrogen. At puberty, we begin making a 30th estrogen called estradiol or estradiol, depending on what side of the big pond you live. And estradiol is basically the estrogen that triggers ovulation. From the point of puberty until the mid to late 20s, the amount of estradiol produced is increasing each month. It's only produced for about 24 to 36 hours each month because it's a very dangerous hormone. But from the age of you know, 15 or 16, where we begin puberty, until around the mid-20s, we are pumping the stuff out. From the mid-20s on, all women start making less and less estradiol. For some women, this is a long, slow drop-off, and they're not even really noticing the effects of less estradiol until they get into their 50s. For other women, it's a steeper curve, and they are starting to notice the effects of less estradiol by their 40s. 40s is not early. 50s is not late. Okay. This is all within a normal range. Early is in your 20s. Okay. Okay. So, I, so certainly it's earlier than the medical norm, and it means that you need to take a little better care of your health, especially your heart. Motherwort or Hawthorne as an ally from now on would be a good choice. I've been working with Hawthorne Berry um, Nourishing Herbal Infusion. Great. That doesn't seem to be decreasing your blood problem. I don't find that Hawthornberry infusion is very effective to lower blood pressure. Okay. Hawthorn, in fact, of all of the herbs that affect blood pressure, is the slowest to work, and results may sometimes take two or more years. Oh, Okay. Motherwort will usually decrease blood pressure within six weeks, as will Passiflora. Okay. So you would recommend what the I usually am thinking when I'm thinking somebody with high blood pressure is that they use either Passiflora or Leonurus, right, Passionflower or Motherwort. Um, and you can take a small dose or a large dose, whichever feels right to you, but at least twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. And what I like people who are dealing with um, blood pressure problems to do is to get a blood pressure cuff from the drugstore. We can say up front that it will be inaccurate, but that's okay because we're really not looking for accuracy. What we, we want it to be self-referential, and it will be self-referential. Um, so that you can start to see what changes your blood pressure. Okay. So I use, you know, and when I use the cuff, um, I would use it in all the situations where they said, don't take your blood pressure after you've eaten. Don't take your blood pressure, you know, if you've done this. Don't, you know, and I'd like, you know, have three orgasms and then take my blood pressure to see what it did to it. 
Okay, I did get a blood pressure cuff. I just received it today in the mail. Good. And, yeah, so I'm going to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, get a little obsessed with it for for the first bit. You know, use it 20 times a day. It's okay. Really, really see, you know, see. You know, what I found was, wow, when I yelled at the apprentices, my blood pressure really went down. Now, see, and everybody was saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. It makes your blood pressure go up. No, not me. It relaxes me. So find out what's going on with you. We also know that the first line of drugs when someone has high blood pressure is usually drugs that impact the kidneys. Mm. And change the kidney output because the amount of fluid in the body has an impact on blood pressure, right? Yeah. So I really like to see people with blood pressure problems making friends with nettle infusion and pushing themselves to... um, do what you're just about to do. What happens on days when you drink a lot? Does your blood pressure go up or go down? What happens right after you drink a lot? What happens when you drink a hot beverage? What happens when you drink a cold beverage? How does the fluid you put in your body, both right now in the short term and over the long run, how is it affecting your blood pressure? Okay. I do I do work with nettle herbal infusion on a regular basis as well, um, as well as comfrey and oat straw. Yay. So. Good choice. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. You are welcome. Green blessings. Okay. Let's see where we're at here. So. We have three callers with questions at this time. And the next caller is coming from the 775 area code. Hello, Susan. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question. Thank you. Um, uh, About 10 days ago, I uh, fell and hit my head pretty hard. Um, And, yeah. (laughs) And uh, whenever I get stressed or tired, I get shaky like if you've ever been like in a car wreck or you get your adrenaline going have you been able to listen to the show yes yes i am do you believe in atoms yes (laughs) thank you that helps a lot (laughs) okay you got to keep doing it okay you got because your head didn't hit anything that's right atoms in your head went right through that and I'll tell you from my personal experience, it really changes what goes on in my body. When I stop telling myself that I smacked into something. Okay. That, because my body wants to protect me, so it's going to tighten up in that area to protect me against that smack. And every time I think of it, it's going to tighten up more. And hooray that it should do that. Right. And I can't control that. What I can control is what I think. 
so that by not thinking that, I say to my body, it's okay, it's okay, it's fine. We don't have to get, we don't have to protect now, it's all over. It is, it's all over, right? Yes. Yeah, just having that once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not to your brain. To your brain it happens what? You know, initially it might happen every five minutes in your brain. Right, and we want it to just come up less and less and less because we've created a safe and nurturing space where we say, it's okay, I'm, I'm protected. Thank Meanwhile, you. have you heard of the herb Scutellaria lateriflora? Is that skullcap? That's skullcap, yeah. Why do you suppose it's called skullcap? <laughs> And I took it for the first three nights, and I slept wonderful, and then I went, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been taking anything, and I stopped. But thank you. Yes. Yeah, right? (laughs) 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 One of the first people who talked to me about Skullcap was an MD who was treating a young man who made a flying leap off a bridge to kill himself missed the water, and landed on the mud on his head. Oh, wow. And he began to tell me about what Skullcap was doing for that young man, and I had to scrape my jaw up off the ground. (laughs) So, okay to take Skullcap. I don't think we're talking about your taking skullcap as a teaspoonful, right? No, just um, I do one dropper full and a little bit of water before I go to bed. Wonderful. You know, James Duke, when he was asked about the safety of herbs, would usually compare herbs. He would say, well, compared to coffee, people say, well, should I be taking this herb? I'm fine. This is all compared to coffee. And I always thought that was so brilliant, right? Like coffee is an herbal infusion, isn't it? It is. And people don't say, oh, gee, I hit my head. I shouldn't be drinking coffee. Oh, okay. Hmm. Hmm. And here you are taking a tiny amount of tincture, so much less active ingredient than in a cup of coffee. Okay. The dentist, you. you know, the dentist that I'm, of course, I'm not talking much. She's cleaning my teeth, so you know I'm at real disadvantage of this conversation. In which, so. I'm, you know, really regaling her with um, what can happen if she personally starts working with the nourishing herbal infusions. Her kind of take is, oh, all these patients I have to help, and I'm like pushing her for her personally to start working with the infusions. And she says to me, you know, that might be better than all the coffee I drink. Oh, that's funny. <clears throat> Then she says, 
But, you know, the problem with the herbs is I never know what the right dosage is. And she paused long enough for me to get my tongue free. And I said, is your dosage of coffee important? Right? And she kind of wrinkled her, her eyebrows at me. And I said, do you always use exactly the same amount of coffee? She said, well, no, it differs from... I said, yeah, it's an herb. Coffee, it's an herb. We don't have to be precise with herbs. They're not drugs. We vary. Herbs vary. And I could drop her full. I was co-capting to one night and five drops the next night, and it's fine. <laughs> Thank you. It's not aspirin. It's not a drug. It's, you're not going to hurt yourself if you take too much, and it's not going to be ineffective if you take only a little bit. In fact, many people discover that they actually react better to small amounts of tinctures than large amounts. Of course, the manufacturers tell you to take a drop of full, but that doesn't mean that's how much you need. Just like you really don't need to cover your toothbrush and toothpaste, do you? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. One quick is how about ginkgo tincture? Should I wait or is that okay too to do during the day? Ginkgo tincture. So let's see. Ginkgo tincture is known for doing what? Um, it helps uh, the circulation in your body. It thins the blood. Oh, maybe I shouldn't. Okay. And what's, what do, are we worried about if somebody smacks their head? We're worried about uh, bleeding in their brain. Okay, so <laughs> we'll not do that again. Thank you. Green it does not Thank sound you. like the very best choice to me. And, you know, as the headline said, um, ginkgo, no better than drugs at improving memory. And the best drug improves your memory by one half of one object. Oh. So neither drugs nor ginkgo are really doing that much for the brain, but the blood thinning effect is pretty profound. And that right. could be why we get more blood to the brain, because it's moving a little better. Okay. All right. Thank Alrighty. you. You're welcome. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 512 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, hi. Good evening. Good evening. I have two questions and one anecdote. Okay. I have to tell you about Comfrey. Um, I started taking Comfrey two years ago for a ligament tear from dance, and then I was in a car accident in August, a T-bone where my spine bent instead of breaking. And it was, I'm sure, from the comfrey that saved my my backbone from fracturing. And, um, yeah, I, just, I wanted to say comfrey is amazing. Everybody should be drinking it. Amazing and, anecdote. So what you're telling us is that you were T-boned by another car and that while your spine definitely felt what was going on there, that the comfrey had increased the flexibility and strength of the bones, the ligaments, and tendons so that they were able to be distorted out of their normal shape and to snap back. Feeling like that happened, but not broken or torn. 
Precisely. Okay. Another person I know was in the same accident, same speed, and their bone broke in those places where mine bent. Yes. Yes, and that, in my experience, is exactly what Comfrey does. And not just the bones, but the structure that holds the bones to each other and to the muscles, the tendons and ligaments, become much more supple. Because part of what makes the bone break is as there's that torque or twist, those structures that hold the bones in place, if they're short and tight, basically prevent that twist and the bone has to break in order for the twist to happen. Oh, wow. Right. So it's much more the ligaments and tendons that are taking that torque and giving us that twist. Because bone structure, let's face it, bones are like kind of hard stuff. Mm-hmm. They have some flexibility, and that's good. But the spinal bones, they don't have a huge amount of flexibility. But all the stuff that holds them together does. Or not, depending on how we take care of ourselves. And Obviously, with Comfrey as your ally, your spine is saying, we're, 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 we're acing it here. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that brings me to my question on fascia. I don't know a lot about this or rolfing, this technique mm-hmm. that's used to move fascia, but I, I let um, a, a therapist do this and it was so intense the feeling the sensation it was more intense intense than my labor and child birthing experience which was done at home so I know how um, that feels and it was really intense and I don't know if that's I mean to me when it's that intense it's probably not something I want to be doing to my body. But I don't know Correct. much about Correct. rolfing. The, the, it, rolfing is not a restorative technique. It's a deep medicine. It's like surgery. Uh-huh. The goal of rolfing is to break your fascia. Yes. So that your rigid muscle patterns can reestablish. Now, there's a lot of question about whether breaking something actually makes it healthier in the long run. Certainly it doesn't in the short run. Things like Alexander Technique or Feldenkrais work or even Bonnie Pruden's trigger point therapy are so much more gentle. When I was in Tucson, I spent the entire afternoon with Enid, who was Bonnie's close personal friend talking about Bonnie Pruden's work and I was just so impressed and so thrilled and her classic book of course is Pain Erasure the Bonnie Pruden way and this is a book basically filled with black and white photographs showing you how to take care of your own fascia Oh, it's called Pain Erasure. Pain Erasure, the Bonnie Pruden, P-R-U-D-D-E-N, Bonnie Pruden way. Thank you, Enid. Enid, you know, not only showed me the books and gave me the books and talked to me about the books, she 
put me on the table and did this to me and that to me. And we got up and we did exercises together and we danced together. And she put me back on the table and she did this and that. It was, I just had the most amazing afternoon. I mean, I'd always kind of known about Bonnie Pruden in the back of my head, but somehow our paths had never crossed. And it was just such a, a, a heartwarming time to uh, to have this 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 uh, reconnection with uh, this this woman who came before me was really one of my foremothers in going out and saying to people, "Take care of yourself. You deserve it." Right? And of course, her she's not with us anymore. And uh, oh. one of her last books is um, the Bonnie Pruden After Fifty Fitness Guide. And again, you know, showing you how to take care of your own fascia and your trigger points so that you live a pain-free life. We all deserve to live a pain-free life. Yes, that's where I'm at. I, I have a lot of pain Yeah, um, from the accident. Yeah. Thank you for that book reference and for your um, story. The, the other thing is I was clearing my land and I received a few splinters in my fingers from my dewberry vine, which I thought would fester out by themselves, but one of them got infected. And I ended up going to the doctor because it seemed like it was turning to sepsis. The uh, line and the pain radiating down my hand. Uh How often did you soak it? I've been soaking it for the last four or five days and Epsom salt with yarrow and putting. So you got these splinters in your fingers four or five days ago? I got the splinters actually on New Year's Eve. So eight and days ago? Yeah. So they've been in there for a while. And so you one of them. weren't soaking it at first? No, because they were That's okay. You know what Julia Tiberkley Levy would do? She would, like, take a knife and make, like, a finger-sized hole in a lemon, and she would stick that lemon on the finger that had a splinter in it. Oh, really? Yeah. James Duke posts the same kind of thing, but you really don't even have to use uh, so much of a knife, with an onion. Uh-huh. Better if the onion's baked and a little warm when you stick it on your finger. Just pull that core out of the onion. Just put your finger in there, right? Uh-huh. Okay. I, so had, cool. I had something stuck in my heel once, early, early on when I was an herbalist. It was really kind of funny because um, a sweetheart of mine came over, and she was dealing with um, something that some kind of jaundice was turning her yellow. And we, we were just laughing hysterically that we were going to wake up in the morning dead. She'd be bright yellow, and I would be white on one side of my body and red on the other side from the infection, right? Because there was a red streak coming up from it. Right. And um, it was then that I you know, really got serious about using the anti-infective herbs and really got serious with my echinacea and really got serious with um, soaking it and poulticing it. And I, I just said, okay, every four hours I'm going to poultice it with something. And I am just going to learn everything there is to learn about herbs and poulticing here. And you know the thing that like really got that out was grated zucchini. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. What? Well, they use a pumpkin powder facials because it draws impurities out of the skin. Mm-hmm. So you can just go to the store and buy a zucchini, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, well, they... Epsom salt is fun, and the town of Epsom has made a ton of money of claiming that it does anything, but there has never been any study anywhere in the world that has ever proved that Epsom salt does anything. Really? Really. Wow. Sure sells a bunch of Epsom salts, and as I said, that town has made real thriving business out of it, but Epsom salts by itself does not have any effectiveness Sea salt, on the other hand, does. So just pour some sea salt in there. My friend, the oh, nurse, I, yeah. says, you want a real soak? You use this. And she gives, gave me a bottle of ivory dishwashing liquid. And there's some kind of surficant in that thing, in that ivory. You put a little squirt of that in water and you soak something in it, wham, whatever is, is in there is going to slide right out. Wow. Yeah, I remember that story you told about the kid with the needle in his foot. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I have to wash my dishes so that my hands are pretty covered in it. But that, and I have been taking agarita bark tincture that I had made because it's berberine. I don't have... Berberine is not very anti-infective. It's not? No. Fairly good topically, but it's not very good anti-infective. I certainly wouldn't put berberine in charge of any infection I had. Okay. So uh, the doctor... Echinacea and lots of it. Yeah. I have to go and buy some. Um, So I should be okay. You really have a red streak by four ounces. What's that? You really have a red streak from this infection. You're going to need four ounces of echinacea because you're going to need to take two or three dropper fills every hour. Okay. It's gotten better, actually. Good. Since yesterday. Then you might be able to do it every two or three hours. Okay. Great. You answered all my questions. And you gave me a I have time to me. talk to the last person before okay. talking to Annie Williams. Green blessings. Thank Good you night. So much. Good night. Okay. Our last caller before our guest arrives is coming from the 919 area code. Are you there in the 919? Hello, Hello 919. Hello. Speak to us. Can you hear me? We can. Okay, great. Hi. Um, Hi. Susan, I love you, and thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, I have a couple of questions. One is, if I dried, if I hung up a, a bunch of mullein this summer, probably, I guess it was maybe July or something, uh-huh. and I just have left it, I've just left it hanging since then, and, Fine. You know, Fine, no problem. Beautiful. Okay. Is it moldy? Problem. It's not moldy. It's dusty. A little dusty, but little I, d- I, yeah, like I know. You know, well, a little dust won't hurt us, right? Okay. Great. Great. Um, kind of on the same. In the same. But you might vein. want to the spiders away. 
Yes, definitely. And what I say to people is, I mean, we are all so tempted because it looks so pretty hanging. It's like, you know, pick a couple of bundles just to leave hanging because it's pretty. And then the rest of it, you know, do your best to get the apprentices to take it down the appropriate time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, I will do that. Okay. I'm really excited to make some infusion out of it because my kids, we lit, we have a wood stove, and I feel like whenever we get any, um, you know, any kind of like cold kind of thing, they it goes straight to the, they get a little cough, and I think that uh-huh. it would help. Um, do you keep a, a pan of water on the wood stove? I do, yes, yes. Yeah, with the, we end up with a lot of smoke, like just, you know, Change, adding wood and like those kind of things. I think there's like smoke in the atmosphere. It's not just dryness. Yeah. Okay. Because I have a, you know, like I've seen, you know, people have like these little things on their wood stove. One, three, four, five. So I would say that my water evaporator on my wood stove is about eight by twelve. Okay. It's a large rectangular stainless steel pan. We probably evaporate off five gallons of water in a normal day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wood heat is very drying. Yes. Okay. That's, That's what I find is that people with wood heat with coughs that it's more likely the dryness that they they they're putting some moisture back into the atmosphere, but not quite enough. Okay. Okay, yeah. we could definitely increase that for sure. Yeah. We're luckily yeah. in, like, a very, you know, humid climate in North Carolina, so it's like, you know, half the time we're running it, we have it so low. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. yeah. Okay, and great. Especially okay, this that's, winter. That's, especially yeah, this winter. Especially this winter. It has been such a mild winter so far. So mild. It's crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so wet. <laughs> I'm sure you all have had a lot of of water up there too it's been just insanely wet down here truly you're so right yes oh my gosh yes okay so my second question is um i am i this past year i in my i started my herb garden and i grew motherwort calendula um whorehound and just you know your your general italian kind of um aromatic Oregano and basil, rosemary and thyme. Yes, all those nice ones. And I'm excited to expand it next year. I want to do St. Jones wort, um, but I was wondering, in your opinion, like about how many plants, I I bought the seed already, um, like how many plants do you think is good for a family and are, you know, I, I read somewhere that it's like... Do not, do not be deceived. It is not a lives-a-long-time perennial. Okay. It's a two- to three-year perennial. Okay. So what I usually say is grow as many hypericum plants as you possibly can. You have half an acre where you can plant it? Plant it on half an acre. Okay. Plant, 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 and see if it will self-seed. If you put it in a place it likes, it will Uh self-seed. And if you don't cut down the baby plants, you'll get a succession so that you'll continue to have it. But the plants you plant aren't going to be around for a really long, you know, they'll be around for some years, but not for a real long time. 
Okay. And you don't worry about them escaping. I mean, I know out west they say it's like a bad thing, but I've I've never got. We're in the Piedmont of North Carolina. I have not seen it wild anywhere here. I've looked like everywhere. <laughs> I have wants it to be it. colder than what you can offer. Okay. It likes to be colder. See if you can find a colder microclimate where you live. Okay. Something okay. on the north, something that's, I mean, it wants sun, definitely a sun plant, but doesn't really want to, a, a, a sunny winter. It needs a shady, cold winter. I usually find that it starts growing wild with good ability to be found somewhere in Virginia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it up there. Yeah. Right. And then once you go further north, and I mean, come my gosh, in northern Quebec and Nova Scotia, it's like one of the predominant plants. Yeah, okay. I know. So I kind of. Colder the winter, the more of it that grows. And that's another reason why it won't be a true perennial for you. Anyhow, um, we're getting to the point where I need to introduce Annie Williams. I'm sorry if I haven't answered all of your questions. I hope that you will call back, and we apologize for making you the last one tonight. No worries. Thank you, Susan. Thanks, Rebecca. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. And I'm going to start the recording while you introduce Ani. Okay. Ani Williams is a world-renowned recording artist, composer, author, and sound therapist. She developed Songaya Sound Medicine in 1992. Analysis. Sound health options. Deep tone healing. Ansura of Studied. Sound research. Ani has more than two decades experience in Welcome, Um Herbal uh, callers, and it was most interesting. Hi, Ani. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. A bit We're... jet lagged here in Arizona. I just got back from Europe, but um, I'm I'm ready and excited to 
talk to you. And we're excited to talk to you. Um, Hypericum perforatum, sold as St. John's wort, but I, of course, call it St. Jones wort, is my ally to help prevent jet lag. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Wow. Shine in a bottle, and I've never had any problem in any airport in the world. I just tuck a one-ounce bottle into my carry-on bag, uh-huh. and while I'm in the waiting room, I take a dropper full of Hypericum tincture, and then as soon as I get on the plane, I take another dropper full. And then at least every couple of hours, depending on the length of the flight, I take another dropper full. And it's an antiviral, so it protects me against colds and flus on the plane. Oh, that's great. it it resets your um, internal sun. Wow, great tip. Thank you, Susan. You're welcome, Annie. We want you singing (laughs) for us and with us for a long, long time. We want to keep you Oh, my goodness. Well, you and I have been on the circuit for a long time. Um, I remember finding your work and your herbal knowledge, I don't know if it was the 70s. Could it have been the 70s? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Because I was a, a avid uh, organic, we call it biologique in, in Europe, Um gardener and herbalist and uh, doing everything natural for my kids. And um, and I loved your work. That's great. Now I don't have time to do that so much, but, yeah. Right. And, well, and your kids are probably grown up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Grandkids, great-grandchildren. Grandchildren, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when I introduced you, um, I said a lot of things that I'm going to guess. People went, huh, hmm, what, huh? So right. let's just go through right. these and see if we can, like, even make your introduction a little more understandable for people. So the first thing I said is that you're a sound therapist. Mm-hmm. Now, that mm-hmm. does not mean that you're of sound mind. <laughs> Although you are, that's not what sound therapist means, Right. Sound sound therapy is a huge umbrella, and these days a lot of people call themselves or the, the category sound healing. But really, we can't say sound healing because we don't know if it's going to be a healing or not. It's up to the individual. So it's sound therapy, and it's a very complex thing that I do. But basically the umbrella of healing music, chanting to awaken voices, and then more specifically, something called voice analysis. And, that's and a you whole. studied voice analysis with Shari Edwards. Exactly, exactly. And what, a, what is a voice analysis? Do I speak into a machine and then the machine analyzes <laughs> my phone? My mother well, would have liked <laughs> Yeah, it analyzes your voice. And basically, it's an ancient system that was used by the Egyptians, Greeks, um, Sumerians, etc., <clears throat> by almost every ancient culture, looking at the quality of sound in each person, and especially in the voice. And um, we're able to see a pattern uh, that, that, that gives us information about that person, the, the patterns physically, emotionally, mentally, and uh, even energetically. So... I, yeah, I, 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 it's called voice spectrum analysis, and um, my greatest joy these days is teaching practitioners how to do that work and is spreading this ancient knowledge that 
we've brought forward with technology. We use a machine to analyze the voice. And then, like, would you say, well, we've analyzed your voice and it shows that there's some heart difficulty? It can tell many things. And what's really interesting is um, we can get a physical kind of patterning that can be verified by medicine. I, I love it when we work with both uh, levels because people can get uh, confirmation. Oh, indeed, I need support in this mineral or this organ. And, um, yeah, in it, it's... Uh, very, very illuminating, and um, I, uh, the way it works best really is energetically. So at the very least, people can get connected with their authentic selves and um, release their potential for not only healing, but for um, creativity, clarity, um, you know, it, it's like getting getting the picture of your sound patterning, how you how you came into this earth life, and how to use sound specifically to release potentiality. And I know that in the sound therapy experiences that I've had and the people that I've associated with, some of them are very specific and some of them are more general. For instance, I was a close friend with Kay Gardner. Oh, wonderful. She was so fantastic, yeah. And she was very specific, you know, this scale in this key. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I've worked with, like, Montauk Chia's Seven Healing Sounds. Right, right. Which are far more general. Yeah. <clears throat> they, they can be all illuminating and helpful. And there are so many different approaches to sound therapy. Um, what I love is finding the feminine historical references to sound therapy. Like, um, in, to really show people that this, this is, in fact, a f- grounded ancient tradition that we're just bringing forward um, in a more specific way. But, you know, like Isis, the enchantress, the woman who knew every word and how to use every sound, her tongue never wavered. Um, Hathor related to the ancient Vedic goddess Vaka, Vak, um, she who created rishis or gods, goddesses with her sounds with with the specific sound science sound technology and in into the uh, indigenous american traditions of spider woman um i i heard the the interview about spiders you know get the spiders out of the mullen before you <laughs> use it maybe and i like that suggestion dust won't hurt you but no well, the spiders wouldn't either but anyway spider woman i thought of this story about woman, spider right. woman. <laughs> her spider woman um, created never everything. wavered that's the <laughs> line to a poem that begins and still she persisted oh really well, it's, no, we're just wavered. making it up. I'm, you, I'm sure you've heard that that statement, and still she persisted, right? 
Um, yeah, yeah, it, it comes uh, out And it in just many... occurred to me, her tongue never wavered, must be the second line after that. Oh, that's and so interesting. so she persisted, her tongue never wavered. <laughs> that's in, in ancient uh, Egyptian uh, mythology, absolutely, yeah. I love it. I love, I love meeting women that speak with that much clarity, with that much confidence. And I think... That's one of the real core things that, that can happen for people with voice analysis, uh, developing that inner core that um, you were talking about, comfrey, and, and that, that flexibility and that inner strength. Uh, and I think that's one of the main principles that can occur um, using one's specific sounds. And each one has uh, their own sounds that can liberate these things how could somebody go about finding out more about voice analysis or their personal sounds would they get in touch with you would they go to a website how could they connect more to this Annie well I have uh, um, there are many people doing well not many but a few people doing this now because Sherry has uh, trained many people over the years. I studied with her in 1992. Um, and, of course, I have a website with lots of pages and articles that describe this work and connect it with the ancient traditions. It's AniWilliams.com. Ani spelled just A-N-I, Ani. And um, so there are lots of sources that are free to to explore. You know, if people just plug in on Google, um, uh, but if they go to my website, they can they can find many articles and and pages that that really give a better understanding um, of this work and how it connects, how it can support people in this new time. All right. <laughs> Jumping from when I, when I was just in Paris. Oh, you were. We were oh, just in were... Paris in November. We uh-huh. asked my granddaughter. Oh, great! Wanted for her eleventh birthday, and she said she wanted to spend her eleventh birthday in Paris. Oh, so my daughter okay. rented an apartment for the month of November. What fun! That's great! What a great education for her. And and my daughter is a concierge, and so she concierge the entire month. Uh-huh. And one of the things she did was she got tickets to a performance by Noah, mm-hmm. who's from Israel, and I mention it because I wondered if maybe you had known her, because the my sense was not that Noah was up there singing to us, but that Noah was up there doing sound therapy. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, there's a transmission with 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 a uh, singer or musician that is conscious, that has a more expanded, connected sphere uh, in 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 their awareness. They can transmit that directly through the sound, and that is one of the amazing things about sound. How fantastic! And what what was your your granddaughter's experience with that? Did she have any? feedback well it was very much a multimedia experience uh, partly because it was a theater in the round mm-hmm. which already is a sensory a big sensory overload 
Right. And they had a light show with her. And she, one of her real skills is to draw to her and into her sphere incredibly talented musicians. Mm. I d- who I came know, on I to play know. solos and then to play with her. Oh, fantastic. It was quite the evening. And to me, one of the most moving things about the evening was that we were able to walk to this very, very modern sculpture of a huge egg that you go inside mm-hmm. from our apartment. And we could see it from our apartment. And as we walked, it was maybe a mile, mile and a half away from us. We could mm-hmm. see it getting bigger and bigger. And as we got closer and closer and closer, there were more and more and more people until finally we went over this big pedestrian bridge right over the sand and just became part of this moving river of people going to the sound. Wow, this sounds amazing. So how long, no, I'm, I'm sure that ex- exhibit is over, but that sounds amazing. Well, it was one evening. Noah sang for us for one evening. That's it. Wow. And, and the egg, the egg. It, oh, the egg. It's a, it's a, no, it's a building. Huh. It's there. You, I haven't you can, been to you your. You go uh, in to, it, and there's performances there all the time. Okay, so I'm I'm out of the loop with Paris because I hardly ever go there. I'm in the southwest of France, close to the Pyrenees. Amazing, amazing acoustic uh-huh. space. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah. Good. That's Super. what it's set up. Wow. So, what else do we want to talk about? It's in your introduction. It said that you studied planetary tone healing with Oded Mansura, which is why the whole thing with Noah came up. Um, tell oh, us a little right. more about planetary tone healing. Right. Well, that is connected with the voice analysis. And basically, it follows the ancient traditions of looking at the sky, the celestial pattern at the moment of birth for each client, each individual. And this was practiced in ancient times as well as in Europe in the Neoplatonic academies. And they looked at the planetary patterning of each person and then related the planets to sounds that would be given as a, uh, and, and herbs, and in you know, organ support, uh, nutritional support. Uh, it, it, And so this is basically medical astrology uh, was founded in the ancient times, and it was actually uh, part of the Hippocratic Oath that uh, medical doctors still take today. So they had to study this, medical astrology, or uh, planetary patterns for each person and how they might be playing out with different needs in the physical body. But it also relates to energetic uh, patterns as well. <laughs> it's a pretty big topic, and it's a little difficult to explain in five minutes, but I hope that was a bit clear. So is a planetary tone something like ah uh, in C-flat? Okay, so basically, we're going with a system that I, I learned from Oded and Sherry. Oded was one of the teachers in Sherry's work in the early years. And um, 
basically we look at the zodiac and there 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 are um examples visual examples on my website if if they go to the sound medicine tab they'll see this image of a circle with the zodiac and it has the 12 signs of the zodiac and the 12 tones of the music scale and 12 colors and so you say for instance uh if you were a pisces i just have to stop you for a minute because of course the vast majority of listeners are going there are not 12 tones in a musical scale what do you mean oh <laughs> well okay oh a deer a female deer another right. seven come on right right that's the diatonic scale that's a simple scale and then you have the 12, which include the semitones, like not only C, Do, a deer, but we have C sharp. We have D and D sharp or E flat. We have 12 tones in the Western chromatic scale. Now, the Eastern scales are much more complex, so I, we won't even go there this evening. Uh, there are microtonal scales that are really complex, but just basic Western musical scale, 12 tones. In the zodiacs in Egypt, I was just in Egypt, and there are several zodiacs in in various temples there and tombs that show the 12 signs of the zodiac. So this is the basic plan. And then you have 12 tones that relate to the 12 signs. So say, for instance, if a person is a Pisces with a Virgo ascendant and Libra, moon, and blah, 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 you know, and the planets and certain signs. We map that out in relationship to music. And so everyone is a musical scale, you know, walking musical scale, basically. Amazing. (laughs) Also, I just want to take care of all of the Roy G. Bivs out there. Now, what's that? You remember Roy G. Biv, right? No. Roy G. Biv is red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Roy oh, G. Right, Biv, right, that's right, how you right, remember right, the right. seven colors. Uh-huh. And now you just told us there were 12. <laughs> and there are many more. <clears throat> As we evolve, we get more and more complex. <laughs> are you there? <laughs> what are the other five colors? <laughs> So you have the variations between red and orange. You have red-orange, like the color of Sedona near where I live. You have in between uh, yellow and orange, you have gold, et cetera, and and lime green, and not just yellow-green. I I mean, it's basically yellow-green, et cetera. You have turquoise in between uh, green and blue. So you get the 12, and... Okay, so we're not throwing in, like, brown and black and gray and white. No, 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 no. Black would be the absence of color. Okay. We're just trying to figure out what the 12 colors are here. (laughs) And you've kept them in a rainbow spectrum by starting with with red or violet, whichever, and just adding in between the in-between colors to get to the 12 colors. And so we are each rainbows, too. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's all mathematical. You know, you can calculate it in light spectrum.
spectrum, uh, sound spectrum, uh, and it's all breaking down into numbers. So it's it's very technical, but just basically to keep it user-friendly, yes, we are walking rainbows and walking symphonies. And if you <laughs> want to know more, AnniWilliams.com, A-N-I, AnniWilliams.com. We hope to be enticing <laughs> you to, um, well, do we want to entice them to plant gardens of the heart? Absolutely. And, you know, you've you've really done a perfect uh, arrow into the heart of my work, really, because uh, they call me a troubadour of the heart. Um, and even though I do really technical kind of heady stuff with the sound therapy, it's really all about heart and opening hearts and opening people to their own potential and their own brilliance, their own amazing uh, qualities. So what what I often, and, and it's a balance. I don't just do the voice analysis. I do concerts. I've been doing them for 30 years and recordings and this and that. But getting people in circles and singing, you know, that has been my heart's joy and and getting people to express through their voices which is really releasing so much potential just in in that simple thing getting people to sing getting people to express that's so moving hmm we so much nowadays let others express for us Oh yeah. Yep. 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 Especially when it comes to sound and movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, these used to be the natural gifts of every person. That's right. And every <clears throat> part of our lives was connected to soundings and movings, dances and songs. Yeah. Animals, children, babies do it naturally. What we're trying to do with any of this, I think, is get back to the natural, authentic, original intention of each individual, each person's brilliance. And and each person has these dances that express who they are, you know, and we need to feel safe and it's not always a safe world. It's a crazy world out there. And, you know, people don't feel safe. You know, we're trained as babies and children not to express our authentic sound, our songs. I used to sing as a little girl. My brothers hated it. Oh, God, she's singing again, you know, or she's dancing again down the aisle, you know, and she's just too uninhibited. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because I got to that point in, in my life and I thought, oh my gosh, everything is perfect. I know what happens next. Uh-oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can like do it myself instead of having it just crash on me. I'm going to like pursue something that I love to do but that everybody hates for me to do and that's singing. Ah. I love 
to sing. I would sing at the drop of a hat, and people were like, oh, gosh, could you spare us, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So exactly. I asked around, and they said, oh, well, there's only one person in this area that you should take singing lessons with, and that's this person, and he sang a dance on Broadway, and he taught Barbara Streisand and all these other people. And so I, like, called up, and I got on the waiting list. And finally, I got to see him. And he said, what do you want out of these lessons? I said, I want to be able to sing on key. I want to be able to, you know, like, yep. follow the music. He looks at me and says, we can't do that here. I can help you find your authentic voice, but that's all I can do. Hmm. Well, your authentic voice should be a good thing. Right? Well, we've been doing this for 25 years now, Annie. That's great. That's great. <laughs> it's you one know, of the you know, mainstays of my life, because he's one of the few people, and this is how I know my teachers. My teachers look at me and they go, why are you so stingy? I go, oh, Okay. They see something that I don't. Good, I need them. You know, you know, you touched on something so important. If people can find their authentic voice, it's not about performing. It's not about sounding beautiful. It's finding one's authentic voice, exactly. finding the tones that really open up avenues and gateways within and without. How to find our authentic voice so that when we speak, people stand up and listen. You know, they they take note. Her and tongue never wavered. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's how so do we find that ground? to listen to you. It's so inspiring to be with you. Yay. Oh, I'm loving Annie this. I hope Williams. I can do it again N-I-AnnieWilliams.com. Lots more. Of this, this is Susan Weed talking with Annie Williams, who's world-renowned recording artist. You can find lots of her songs. They're good. <laughs> Composer, author, and sound therapist. And I know it's hard to believe that our half hour is almost up. Uh. <laughs> it's a blog talk show, and you know they just like slam the door on you at the end of the time. There's no yeah. like graceful yeah. <laughs> withdrawing. So we got to be ready for that door slam. So I want you. To take the last minute here, what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's listening to you tonight anyway? Mm. You know, what occurs to me is the phrase in the legend of the first woman of Yavapai Apache in here in Arizona, um, in northern Arizona, the creation story. First woman created everything, all life, all beings, with her song, her song changed everything. And your song changes everything. Your authentic song, not the song you think you need to sing or have to sing. It doesn't have to be in key, on key, or any other key because you are a unique chord and a unique rainbow. Absolutely. Thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients, not just in this short half hour, but for the work you have been doing for all of your life to mm. weave more deeply into our authentic selves as women and mm. of the love and beauty and harmony of the goddess. Her song changes everything. Your song. 
<laughs> Thank you, Susan. Green blessings, Rebecca. Green blessings, Justine. Green blessings, everybody. Thanks for being with us again. See you next week. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you.